Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is going to be focused around the topic of trichomoniasis and beef cattle. And to discuss this, I'm joined today by Dr. Jeff Ondrak, who's a beef cattle clinical veterinarian at the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center located near Clay Center, Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. So before we dive into our topic today, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and how you ended up in your current role there now with the Meat Animal Research Center. Well, I grew up in Arnold, Nebraska, and did my undergraduate work at UNL, then went on to veterinary school at K-State, came back to Nebraska. My goal was to be a private practitioner here in the state, and I did that for just shy of 15 years. Then I had the opportunity to join the University of Nebraska as a faculty member and pursue a master's degree. And uh, I did that through the Great Plains Veterinary Educational Center. And then about four years ago, I uh, decided to make one more job move and moved across the, the parking lot from Great Plains over here to the federal side. And then I'm a, a USDA veterinarian, a herd health veterinarian for the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center. So part of your master's program, or I should say the focus of your master's program was on trichomoniasis and beef cattle. Tell us a little more just about how you got involved with the project and what you learned as you went through that. So trick really peaked in the, the previous outbreak in our state in about 2008. And that's when I was working on my master's project. And I got a call one Friday afternoon from a veterinarian I know and broken bow and had a client with a, a significant problem of trichomoniasis in his herd. And one thing led to another and, and I worked with that herd and then moved on to work with another herd. And, and basically the focus of my master's was uh, to look at diagnostic testing. PCR was new. A lot of people were proposing that it completely replaced culture. And traditionally we had cultured bulls three times at weekly intervals to confirm that they were negative and people suggested you could do it once with PCR. And honestly, through my master's work, it showed that that wasn't the case, that you still had to repeat PCR testing to truly confirm that a bull was negative in an infected herd. So let's just talk through a little bit as a foundational piece for those who are listening from a producer level. Help us understand what trichomoniasis is. How does it infect animals? What's the organism that causes the disease? Just kind of give us a broad overview from a producer perspective on understanding this disease. Sure. So trichomoniasis is caused by a single-celled protozoan named Tritrichomonas fetus. So Tritrichomonas fetus is kind of a long uh, tongue twister to try to say all the time, so we just call it trick. It's actually was identified in the late 1880s in um, in Europe. It showed up here in the States in the 1930s and kind of moved across the country and by the 1950s uh, had been reported in the, the Western mountain states. And that's kind of where it's stayed. We think of that area, the mountain West as kind of being endemic for, for trick as well as Florida. And those two geographic locations have one thing in common and that's the way they manage their cattle. Um, they're extensively managed. It's difficult to get every animal out of every pasture for testing or, you know, culling or whatever reason. And so it's it's a challenge to to manage this disease in in those populations. So to take a step back, I guess uh, trichomoniasis is a, a venereal disease. It's only spread through breeding. 
you can see some odd things happen. Uh, there's a report in the literature of, of an individual on a dairy who was actually using a, a vaginal speculum to um, detect estrus in cows. They weren't cleaning the, the speculum between cows and they were transmitting trick that way. But for most beef herds, it's going to be transmitted by a bull breeding cows. So they pick up the infection and then they just transmit it between cows. And that's again why in these more uh, extensively managed herds where they can't get every bull out of every pasture every year for testing, why it stayed in them. So from a producer perspective, what are some initial signs that maybe something's not right and that I could potentially have a trick infection in my cow herd? So to understand what you might be seeing, you kind of need to understand the progression of the disease. So I mentioned bulls and that's our focus because bulls become infected there are no obvious signs that the bull is infected. They're inapparent carriers, um, but they're infected for life, especially older bulls. Cows are a different story. So cows, when they're bred by an infected bull, will become pregnant. They recognize the pregnancy. Somewhere around probably 50 days, uh, the infection and the body's immune response to that infection causes the embryo to die. And then from 50 to about 100 days is when we see most of the pregnancy loss. That's the most common time. We can see it even into late-term abortions, but typically by 100 days, most infected cows are going to lose that pregnancy. When they do that, then obviously what you're going to see as a producer are cows that are either cycling late in the breeding season or just open cows when you're preg checking. And I've seen reports and heard reports of up to 50% of the herd can be open, depending on um, uh, when the organism was introduced into the herd. So we think about just, obviously, the detrimental impact to that. Is this something that can happen all at once? Does it typically happen over a series of years? I mean, what do you often see in a herd that gets an infection? So again, it, it really depends on when that organism comes into the herd. If If you have say the neighbor's bull is infected and they get into your pasture and they maybe breed a couple of cows and then your bull also breeds those cows and that bull is infected but it's late in the breeding season you, you may not even recognize it that first year you may have a few extra open cows and not think a whole lot of it um, which is actually the case with one of those first herds that i worked with uh, they didn't even recognize for over a year that they had a problem uh, it wasn't that second year when now they had the infection established in the in their cow herd, and then th that fall they had a significant number of open cows. So it really depends, but um, um, typically um, you're going to see a lot of open cows. So you mentioned if a bull gets infected, he's infected for life. What happens with cows? So we they lose their pregnancy typically within that first 100 days of gestation. Uh, there's a period of time where obviously the, the immune response is reacting to the organism and, and they clear the infection. Somewhere between two and five months later, they're probably going to be back to normal fertility and be able to be rebred. Uh, there are some unusual outcomes. We can see cows that develop pyometras or pus-filled uteruses or where they don't exactly uh, expel the, the fetus. And so they just have this kind of mummy inside the uterus. Those kind of things will show up. Those aren't real common, but they do happen. I mentioned earlier, late-term abortions can also happen. But by and large, they, they clear the infection. There, there are some reports of cows carrying the infection for extended periods of time, up to a year. 
And certainly, uh, unfortunately, there are also some reports of cows carrying the organism through a pregnancy, delivering a normal, healthy calf, and then uh, still being infected for probably two to three heat cycles after calving. So again, those are very rare instances, but they certainly can occur. So you mentioned the focus early on is is around bulls. Talk through with us if you suspect that you've got a trick case. What happens with testing, and then you know what becomes the focus there in terms of identifying where the problems may be. So we do focus on on the bulls when it comes to testing and identifying those animals because, as I mentioned, cows typically clear the infection. So um, we're going to rely on their immune system to to get the organism out of the reproductive tract. Bulls, on the other hand, uh, especially older bulls, once they're infected, it's uncommon for them to clear the infection. So we test the bulls to detect the ones that are positive in a bull battery and and, and get rid of those. So um, testing is actually a pretty simple procedure, um, but there's a lot of mistakes that can be made that uh, can give you poor results. But the procedure is pretty straightforward. We take a standard plastic uterine infusion pipette and a syringe. We slide the pipette up into the bull's prepuce, have the syringe attached. We, we aspirate with the syringe, and then we just scrape back and forth inside the prepuce, trying to collect as much smegma as we can, and then send that sample off to the lab. When you collect a sample and then you submit it, uh, what's the incidence of accuracy in terms of how many times do you actually find the organism, if it's present, how does that work? So the sensitivity for the test is uh, fairly high, especially if we're using PCR. Culture is actually not too bad if you have somebody experienced. The advantage of PCR is they can um, do large numbers of samples quickly. With culture, we have to look at the sample every day for up to a week. Uh, individually, and it takes about two minutes per sample to do that when you're looking at it under a microscope. And so you're talking about a lot of time, and that does affect the the accuracy uh, of that test just because it's so time consuming. So I think when we talk about test sensitivity and test specificity, uh, we're looking at 95% or better for, for that test, especially with PCR. So maybe the better question is, what do we do with those results? How, how believable are those results? And, and that goes into a whole another discussion about uh, positive, negative, predictive value of tests. But you really do need to interpret those results. And that's where hopefully veterinarians can help producers. So if you test a yearling bull that you're confident as a virgin, you get a positive test. That doesn't mean the test was bad. The test was probably quite good. But we have to interpret that result based on the positive, negative, predictive values. So walk through with us a little bit on that, because I think for some folks are saying, well, if the bull tested positive, doesn't he carry the organism? And how could a virgin yearling bull be infected? So this is a long discussion that I'm going to try to make as quick as possible, but um, no test is perfect. And so you have to look at the test result and look at the population that you're testing. And I can tell you that uh, we're talking about your yearling bulls that are virgin bulls, and we start testing those bulls, I guarantee eventually you'll have one be positive. Even though if we know for sure that they're virgin bulls, some of there's going to be one that's going to test positive. And so um, that's probably a false positive based on the, the, the population that we're testing. 
Now, if you go to the other side of that and you're working in a herd, especially a, a known infected herd, and they're coming, they are coming out of a management group that has a large number of open cows, and you have a bull that tests negative, you probably question whether that's true, even if you've used PCR. That's why we recommend three tests in, in infected herds, because negative tests are less reliable in an infected herd than, than a positive result, knowing that this is a positive herd. So what I hear you saying is I test my bulls and let's say that uh, I have a couple turn up positive, but I also have a number of bulls that turn up negative. It's really wise then to go ahead and test those bulls at least twice more, even those bulls that tested negative, uh, just to try to up the accuracy to make sure we didn't miss some. Is that correct? Correct. And that's in an infected herd. You know, if you're in a herd that uh, there's you've not heard of any trick around and your reproductive rates are really good, you've had no problems with abortions or early embryonic loss or pyometras, um, first of all, you probably don't need to test. But secondly, if you do test and you test one time and they're all negative, then yeah, you're probably going to believe that negative test the first time. As you think about working with producers in your experience, what are some things you would recommend producers just be aware of around the disease and uh, I guess to kind of have have it on their radar, even if they're in an area where maybe there hasn't been any issues, but something to just kind of keep in their back of their mind. Hey, if you start to see this, you might want to question or at least take a look at the possibility of trick. So this is where it's helpful to have a good rapport with your neighbors so that there's some communication. You know, if somebody's having does find out they've got a lot of open cows, you hate to admit that to the neighbors, but it may be your best bet because, uh, um, you know, if the neighbors are having problems and maybe you pay a little more attention to the management groups that were across the fence from those cows, but really it's just paying attention to your cow herd. Um, are you seeing certain groups with extra open cows? Are you seeing, if you have an extended uh, breeding season, are you seeing a lot of repeat breeders, cows that you thought were pregnant? Now you're about ready to take the bull out and all of a sudden you're starting to see some cows cycling again that you thought were pregnant. That's really an early indicator that you might have a problem with trick. Anything else on this topic you think would be beneficial producers to understand? So I, I think it's important when we start thinking about how we're going to keep this out, just think of ways that, that can really limit access of your cattle to other cattle. So think about ways to, to keep um, stray animals from coming into your, to your operation. If the neighbor's bull jumps the fence, don't assume that bull is negative. Talk to the neighbor, find out. Um, if that bull's been in there and he breeds one cow, he may have introduced tricks. So uh, what do you do with that group of cows that, that the neighbor's bull got into? You might want to keep them separated and keep the, your bulls that were in that group separated and maybe test them before you expose them to other cows in your operation. Communication is, is important. Keeping track of good production records will be an, a way of early recognition of a problem in a specific management group if you have a lot of open cows. Um, the big thing is observe regulations, the interstate health regulations. If you're bringing cattle in, make sure that they meet the trick requirements. Uh, those requirements are set up to protect producers in this state. So abide by those rules so that you're not uh, introducing trick. And and uh, I think the other thing I, I, I should mention is um, if you do find out that you have trick, by regulations, you are required to notify your neighbors. And you have 14 days to submit that form 
completed form to the state veterinarian stating that you've contacted all your neighbors that are in contact with your cows. So keep that in mind as, as, as it appears we're seeing more cases in the state that there is a, a, a reporting requirement. Well, Dr. Andrak, thanks again for your time today and for giving us a, a big picture view of trichomoniasis and how it impacts uh, cow herd health. Sure. Appreciate it. Well, for more information on cattle health-related topics, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have a number of resources on cattle health topics.